Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day as we wrap up the week. Wow, hot, muggy weather. Be careful out there. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We were we got into yesterday this uh, Labor Department proposal to make some changes to the H-2A Ag Visa work program. Uh, we're going to get some more thoughts on that today from the president and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association, Jim Baer. We're going to talk trade with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. USMCA, are we building momentum or stalling out? Uh, what's the latest with China and Japan? We'll get into all that with Nick Giordano. We'll get a crop report from Illinois. David Erickson will be joining us a little bit later on to give us a look at uh, conditions in his area. But let's start things off with the news. Joining us now is Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thank you for joining us. This uh, growing controversy over moving two research agencies from Washington, D.C. to Kansas City was on full display yesterday in uh, the Senate in a, in a hearing Uh Tell us a little bit about this. I know it got very pointed at times. Did this go pretty much party lines, or or how was it? How was the reaction to members of the Senate yesterday? Uh, yes, that hearing did go party lines. I was there. Uh, the Democrats are very upset about uh, what's going on here, uh, while the Republicans avoided the issue of the moves and uh, just asked about other uh, other research issues. Uh, now, the, the, the real issue here seems to be that the Trump administration wants to get rid of some of the researchers, particularly those focused on nutrition, obesity, climate change, uh, and organics. Uh, and they're leaving the commodity analysts in Washington while they're going to move all these other researchers to Kansas City, and as a result, a lot of people have left. Uh, it's kind of like borrowing a tactic from corporate America, and when they want certain people to leave, uh, they say, well, we're going to move you, and then the people have a choice of moving or not. Uh, but there is a lot of concern from the research community that the quality of U.S. agricultural research, particularly on economics, uh, will decline because they're losing so many people with so much expertise. The department announced this week that 145 employees had agreed to move. That's about 37% of those designated for reassignment. Another 250 said they would not relocate or decline to provide an answer, so they could still uh, decide to move. They have until September 30th when they're required to report uh, in the new location. Now, it, those in favor of this supporting the move are saying they can attract uh, qualified people uh, from the Midwest to, ma- to come and work. Um, how, how was that received when that, that was brought up at the hearing? Well, that w- <laughs> the, the Democrats really didn't address that issue, and neither, and neither did the Republicans. Uh, but the question that you've got is, do you only want people from the Midwest? That's what they seem to be uh, saying by moving the, uh, the divisions to, uh, uh, to Kansas City. And uh, with all due respect to Kansas City, which is a great place, it does not offer the same attractions as Washington, D.C., and there is a belief that some of the more sophisticated researchers would want to be here. And the other issue is 
that there are more jobs for these two-income couples in Washington. A lot of people are worried that the spouse, whether it's male or female, would not be able to find a job in Kansas City. Uh, in addition to that, of course, the people who are already working in the agencies are already have their lives set up here with their schools and their ch- their children being based here, etc. But one of the big complications on this is that that the Agriculture Department hasn't even decided where they're going to locate this, whether it'll be on the Kansas side of Kansas City or the Missouri side. So people are saying, where would they expect us to buy a home? And they want us to make this decision. Well, they're supposed to have made it by July 15th, but certainly within the next month or so. Well, you mentioned corporate America, and you know this happens to people all the time. Uh, they get moved, or they have to decide whether they're going to move uh, to keep a job or not. So that happens quite often. I think the bigger issue is uh, the the underlying question: and is it political, or is it a real agenda by the administration to drastically change uh, what comes out of these agencies because they don't like what's been coming out uh, in the last few years? Well, I think that's right, and I think it's a pretty easy conclusion to reach that they want to change the agencies. They don't like some of the conclusions that they have that they have reached uh, about uh, some of the Trump administration policies, like the impact of the tax uh, the tax law, which they think which the, which ERS said would be said would be a bigger benefit to the bigger farmers, uh, and also this climate change issue, which roils the 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 uh, ag community um, this is one in which uh, you know the farmers don't like the issue of climate change because when you start talking about it people start saying they should reduce their energy use or maybe engage in other practices that would require change uh, so there's been a lot of rejection of the idea of climate change in uh, in rural America and these agencies have done a lot of research in that in that field now, on the other side, there are people who are worried that if we don't do this research, we're going to be behind what's known in other countries and how their farmers are going to adjust to the climate change situation. And like everything else, uh, we almost everyone looks at issues uh, through whatever political lens uh, they have on their glasses at the time. Uh, I think a lot of people in rural America and in agriculture look at the climate change issue and see so much hypocrisy where they feel like, uh, someone wants to zero in on them. The federal government would want to zero in on agriculture and ignore a lot of uh, others that would seem to be bigger contributors. So there's always that that issue. Even if you uh, can agree or, or are willing to uh, go along with the fact that there is some sort of man-made influence on, on the climate. Well, yes, that's right. The, 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 this has just become a... A terribly divisive issue, like so many things uh, in the country. Uh, but if if we get into a position where we're not going to do the research, I think that's very uh, that's very dangerous. Um, so I I don't really see any good resolution to this situation. I wrote a column in the National Journal in which I said I think that the hearing was a funeral for agricultural research as we know it today. Uh, and the only possibility is a reincarnation, either by doing the research in other institutions, foundations, the land-grant colleges, etc., or perhaps a revival in some future uh, administration. 
but I don't think this is a good situation for the future of agricultural research. Scott Hutchins, USDA's Deputy Undersecretary for Research, Education, and Economics, was the one on the hot seat yesterday, and his response, uh, uh, you know, did, as you said, did not sway the Democrats uh, hardly at all, if it, any at all. So we'll be hearing much more about this in the future. Jerry, thanks for uh, the report. Uh, I know you were, as you said, you were there. We appreciate the firsthand report. Thank you. Thank you. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. That's a, That controversy continues to grow. We'll be talking more about it in the future. Up next, President and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we have talked before about the potential benefits of gene editing and livestock production. But there is a a battle going on about oversight of that technology. Should it be with FDA where it's at, or should it be moved to USDA, like many in the livestock industry, like the National Pork Producers Council would like to see? Let's talk about it with Dr. Dan Kovich, who is Director of Science and Technology for the National Pork Producers Council. Dan, thanks for joining us again. Why do you feel it's best to have the oversight with USDA? What we're concerned about is what is actually getting approved. Is it the edit? or this altered genome, and how does that affect how the descendants of these animals are going to be regulated on farms and ranches. That's where we feel that that post-approval piece, that the USDA has the expertise, and more importantly, the existing authority to regulate the descendants of gene-edited animals. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We'll continue to watch this uh, growing story. It's been going on for some time, ever since the administration proposed moving those two research agencies out of Washington, D.C. It really didn't matter where they were going to move them to. It turned out it uh, it was Kansas City that was chosen. Just the fact they were moving out of Washington, D.C. was causing a lot of uh, concern by those employees. And it's just a matter of, you know, what do you believe on this? Uh, the administration, USDA, saying it's it'll save money, it'll attract uh, new talent, it will get the research uh, closer to the grassroots and away from Washington D.C. And of course, those in Washington D.C., if you're an employee of those agencies, uh, it's understandable you don't want to move. But beyond that, the issue is whether or not the administration is doing this just because they don't like the research that has been coming out. And also the fact, what is, how does this impact research moving forward? Do you lose so, so much experience and so many valuable people uh, that it hurts the research and it's being somehow watered down or manipulated? Uh, that is kind of the core issue that's at play here. And then you have all the political ramifications, as we saw in the Senate hearing yesterday. Uh, much, of the, uh, much of it, as we heard Jerry just say was on party lines of the Democrats opposing the move Republicans uh, if not in favor of it at least not uh, uh, publicly questioning it or or criticizing it so it seems like just like almost all the issues we're dealing with uh, right now uh, so many of them come down to much the same thing and uh, it, it's that's one impacting now and then it gets into the issues of climate change and a lot of those things as well so we're going to be watching that closely and uh, see how many employees actually move to kansas city and uh, what about the efforts to replace those that don't so we'll be watching that closely yesterday we talked about the proposal by the labor department to make changes in the h2a visa program this is something that uh, many in agriculture have been calling for for some time the ag labor issue is a is a big one in this country and it's a real challenge for many this proposal as we said yesterday has has received mixed reviews some are critical of it some see some real improvements many are still looking at it and trying to determine uh, how they feel about it let's talk about it now with jim bear who's president and ceo of the u.s apple association jim thanks for joining us again uh based on what you've seen so far do you like the proposal good to be with you mike yes we do you know labor is the number one expense for agriculture that has a lot of hand labor needs, and that would be all fruits and vegetables and also things like dairies and swine confinements and so forth. So uh, we're working a lot with the administration trying to shape this thing. It's almost 500 pages long, so there's a lot in there, a lot to talk about, but it looks like it has a lot of things that will be big advances for labor-dependent agriculture. In our case, in uh, users of H-2A, which is the only legal means of bringing in foreign workers to work in agriculture. The, the farmer, the grower, has to pay for all the transportation costs. They have to provide permanent housing. can't be a tent or something like that. It has to be actual permanent housing. 
And uh, those costs are about $2,000 per worker. So a small apple grower who maybe brings in 100 H-2A workers will spend $200,000 to get workers to his farm or to his orchard, and that's before the first apple gets picked. So it's a significant cost, and we're hoping that this will, if, uh, if adopted as proposed, will significantly streamline the program, cut costs for agriculture, because as everybody is aware, times are tight on, on the farm these days. Critics of it say that it would drive down wages for workers. Would you agree with that? Totally disagree, Mike, and, and here's why. Uh, if you are a grower and you use the H-2A ag labor program, you're also obligated to hire Americans that come onto your property uh, at the same wage, and, and even if they have no experience. And I hear it every day from people across the country who say, yeah, we almost hope that nobody does show up. As much as we need workers, we kind of hope that no uh, domestic workers show up because, number one, they don't know how to pick the fruit without damaging it. And it's hard work. And half of them will quit after the first day, and the other half will quit by day three. And there you are with a perishable commodity that has to get harvested. So it, it's not as though there are uh, a lot of Americans that want these jobs. And as we see all across agriculture in the states where unemployment is less than 3%, it's especially hard right now. And so we believe that there's virtually no impact on the wages of domestic workers. I want to I want to emphasize that again because there is still a feeling I hear this I hear this said I read it that uh, you know we're domestic workers US citizens are losing jobs to these uh, migrant workers coming in and, and you have you've said it you just said it again there I've heard it from so many in agriculture saying we've tried to hire domestic workers and we can't get them as you said either they don't want to do the work they won't stick with it and really it's to the point where it doesn't matter hardly what you offer to pay them you just can't get those workers that you need that's true and that's even despite the some of the huge increases in um, the wages so for example under the h2a program there's a very complicated formula i won't bore you and your listeners with it but there's a very complicated process for determining state by state what those wages should be. Well, for example, in some states, Idaho, Colorado, and others this year, those wages went up 23%. And nationally, it was up more than 6%. Well, this is at a time when when across agriculture, uh, times are tight. And so to have an increase in your number one expense that ranges from 6 to 23%, that's a huge impact. And I've talk to growers almost every day who say, yeah, last year we had to leave $100,000 worth or $200,000 worth of apples on the trees to rot because we couldn't get people to pick them. Well, that, as a, as a farm boy myself, I just find that offensive that we would leave a perfectly good crop um, on the tree because we can't get people to pick it. So hopefully this proposal uh, will make a big step toward fixing that prob- uh, problem, and we commend the Trump administration for doing it. And it's at a time right now when, obviously, the immigration and border security is on the front page of the newspaper and it's on the TV constantly. So it's a controversial time, no doubt, to 
be trying to fix this, but it's that important, and so we hope it gets done. Because the current system is too slow and cumbersome, right? Sure is, Mike. So, for example, uh, in order to participate in this program, the grower has to tell the government uh, at least 60 days before they expect to begin harvest that they want to bring uh, a certain number of workers in. Well, as all of your listeners know, Mother Nature sometimes does other ideas. Maybe it's hot and dry, maybe it's cool and wet, but you don't know 60 days in advance exactly when your harvest is going to start. So the growers sort of take a a wild guess as to when they think they're going to need the harvest workers. And then maybe they show up, but your crop's not ready to pick for another week or two weeks. Well, then you're paying them to do nothing. You have to pay them when they they show up. So that's a really expensive and cumbersome thing. It seems like in 2019 we ought to be able to fix that with online applications and narrowing that window um, when you have to submit your application, just things like that. They're, they're totally fixable. This is not a, this is not a, a, an unsolvable problem, and we hope that this proposal will go a long way toward uh, fixing some of those problems. Yeah, no one's saying the proposal's perfect and fixes everything, but it seems to be a step in the right direction. Agreed. We've been working on this for so long, and the current uh, visa program doesn't even address year-round agriculture uh, needs like dairies and and uh, soil confinement and so forth. So uh, we're working on legislation to try to get the law changed to allow that. Um, it's just that important, and it needs to be fixed. And it's the last major part of our country's laws that hasn't been changed. The last time our immigration laws were changed, Ronald Reagan was president. So that's a long time ago, and uh, it's time to fix them again. All right, Jim, thanks for your perspective. Uh, your industry is certainly uh, at the forefront on uh, on these issues, and uh, we wanted to hear what you had to say, and we'll be watching closely uh, as this proposal makes its way through the process. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Jim Baer, President and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. Up next, we'll talk trade with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. 
A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain prices rose in the overnight session, an indication perhaps that some traders and funds are looking to cover any short positions following this week's downward momentum. November soybeans settled modestly weaker on Thursday, but we did close in the upper third of the daily range. Buyers emerging to support November soybeans on the intraday dip to 893. Corn bears taking an aim at a test of key swing low support and the lower boundary of a potential head and shoulders topping pattern on the charts at 420 and a half. An hour into the day, December at 434 and a half, up four and three quarters. November soybeans up 12 and three quarters, 911 and three quarters of a cent. Soybean meal some $2.60 to $2.90 higher. In the wheats, Chicago September up six and a quarter at 499 and three quarters of a cent. Minneapolis spring wheat September at 529 and three quarters, up four and a quarter. Kansas City wheat September up half a dozen at 438 and three quarters of a cent. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, we've got a mix, 25 cents on either side of steady. Traders waiting for the cattle on feed report that comes out later on this afternoon. August live cattle down a dime at 107.30. Feeder cattle August up 22 at 139.65. Cash cattle activity has been noted so far on the week in Kansas at 111. That'd be generally down a dollar from a week ago. In lean hog futures, the August contract up 25 at 83.02. October down 15 at 76.75. The Dow up 84. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Sometimes life is wonderful. And sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk trade with Nick Giordano, Vice President and Council, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Nick, thanks for joining us. Lots of fronts here. Let's start with what looks to be the most positive right now, Japan. We're hearing about a possible ag deal by mid-September. What are you hearing? Well, we're hearing the same thing, and I'll tell you what, Mike, it can't come fast enough. Um, It was uh, a shock to the industry when the U.S. pulled out of TPP. We understand the president's preference for bilaterals. 
Our guys have been really patient, but their patience is running out. And the reason why is because the CPTPP nations, so competitors like Canada, Mexico, and Chile, have preferential access into Japan, as does the European Union. We are hemorrhaging market share away. It's a huge problem. The deal can't get done fast enough. Of course, it's not a done deal yet, but are we headed towards what we would have had under the old TPP? Uh, the, look, the pork industry was pleased with what we got in TPP. We were arguably the most active, the loudest private sector group in all of the countries. We worked really hard to secure a good outcome. And, yeah, we're fine with what we got in the TPP. Our big thing is we got to get that deal implemented because our competitors have preferential access and we are losing market share. All right, let's move then to China. Hasn't been much action since the G20 summit. Uh, how do you read that? Is that a concern, or uh, do you expect things to start picking up here anytime soon? Yeah, it's a concern. I mean, we've had these tariffs on in China on, on pork for over a year. It's, it's taking at least $8 off the price of every animal sold in the United States. It's a big deal, and I think that number is going to go up. Because with African swine fever ravaging the Chinese herd, which is the biggest in the world, China's the biggest pork producer and pork consumer in the world, there is an unprecedented opportunity there. And you know what? The big question is, are we going to get the main course or are we going to get the crumbs off the table? When your competitors all are facing a 12% tariff, and while we, the United States of America, face a 62% tariff because we've got a 50% punitive tariff, that is not good. We should be getting the main course. We're the most competitive supplier in the world. we got a problem. We can't get the China issue resolved fast enough. There was so much anticipation going into the G20 summit, and then after that the president was talking about China's going to be buying all these ag goods. We've not seen that. Now we hear there are just maybe some phone calls back and forth. It seems like this uh, it's on again, off again, speeds up, slows down. Uh, as you said, this has been going on for a, a year or more now. Well, right. And of course, when this started, we didn't know that their herds were going to be ravaged by African swine fever. So, you know, we've, all, we, we've known for years and years and years that China long term was had held the most export potential of any country in the world by far. But what what's happened now because of African swine fever is that potential has been brought forward. So there is unprecedented demand for pork and for meat protein. They're, they're not going to be able to, to, to meet that demand just by importing more pork. They're going to import more, you know, more poultry. They're going to consume other meat proteins. They're importing a lot of shrimp right now. So the, the question for the U.S. pork industry is, are we going to get what otherwise would be a huge slice of the pie there? Because we've been, on average, the biggest global supplier of pork in the world. Are we going to get that, or are we going to continue to be weighed down by this 50% punitive tariff, and are we going to get a much smaller slice of the pie? It's a big deal. What is happening there, Nick, uh, right now? Are they buying those uh, needs from other countries, or are they counting on uh, using oh. up supplies, or are they cutting back? What's happening there? 
well, they're buying from us, but they're they're buying from around the world. And you know, the 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 issue again is what's our share going to be? And as the most competitive pork producing nation in the world, with the safest, highest quality product, normally we should be the biggest beneficiary. The big concern here is that our competitors in Europe and Brazil and around the world are going to be the big beneficiaries um, while we get, you know, we're basically reduced to being a re- residual supplier. So it's, it's a big deal. We, we, um, our, our guys can't, can't have this problem with China solved fast enough. We're talking with Nick Giordano, Vice President and Council Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. When this all started, we heard about short-term pain for long-term gain. Uh, the short-term pain uh, is lasting quite a while, and it really doesn't seem to be an end in sight right now for this uh, uh, trade war with China. Well, I, I, unfortunately, i got to agree with Mike. And, um, you know, it's, it's difficult for our producers. I think, you know, if we didn't have this unprecedented demand, because of African swine fever there. I mean, it, it is really a once-in-a-lifetime sales opportunity. Um, I think, you know, people would still be bothered. I mean, $8 off the price of every animal sold, which is what it's been the past year, is a big deal. But, I, you know, I think producers understand that recalibrating the relationship with China is a big deal, and it wasn't going to be resolved overnight. You know, what's made it really difficult for us is just this unexpected, um, tremendous sales opportunity in China now because of the biggest pork producer in the world having over one-third of its production um, retired because of, idled because of African swine fever. It seems like with Japan, it's ag-focused on a deal. With China, we're wrapped up in all these other things. Has there been any uh, discussion of having an like an ag-only type deal with China? Um, you know, I look, the president has been, uh, and, and Ambassador Lighthizer, um, and the, the administration has been engaged with the Chinese on ag. Uh, you know, an ag-only deal, look, MPPC will support whatever, you know, gets rid of the 50% punitive tariff. I, I think the focus has been on these, um, big long-term structural issues, um, you know, intellectual property and technology transfer and, and, and so on. And those are, those are big, important issues. Um, again, yeah, we would, we would support anything that gets us out from under this 50% punitive tariff in China. Okay. Let's move to USMCA. Uh, it sounds like it's, you know, obviously, it's not going to get voted on this summer. I've, I'm saying I've been predicting it'll be a vote as they head out the door going to, to their Christmas uh, break. Uh, but the key is, is it going to get voted on this year? Some have said there was momentum building. Others have said it's kind of stalled. We've read that the administration's getting frustrated, that things have slowed uh, working with uh, House Democrats and uh, Leader Pelosi. Where, does it, where do we stand, you think, right now with USMCA? Well, I, I think we're going to – Congress is going to vote on it this year, and Congress will pass it. The votes are there. Um, I, I think that um, Ambassador Lighthizer and the administration have done a very good job 
of uh, reaching out to House Democrats. There is a, uh, a delegation um, on the way to Mexico as we as we speak. Um, I you know the the Mexicans are holding up their part of the bargain. There's been labor reform there. The Mexican Senate's already passed it. Um, the, the Canadians are, are ready to, to act and move. It's all queued up in their parliament. So we're really close. Um, MPPC has its fall fly-in in September. You know, this, of course, will, along with, you know, Japan, will be one of our trade issues that um, our producers engage the members on. You know, we would hope the early part of the fall. But as, as you know, you said, it Mike, it, it could slip. To December, the important thing is we just get this thing implemented. For the pork industry, we absolutely have to have um, zero tariff trade in North America. We were really hurt by being on the Mexican metals retaliation list. Um, that took $12 off the, the price of every animal, every hog sold in the U.S. It was a big deal, and thank goodness we worked, the MPPC worked really hard um, to, to, you know, to contribute to making that happen. And we're really pleased that those tariffs are off. And, you know, the, the next piece of the puzzle for us is to get USMCA passed. I think the votes are there. Um, and I, I think most analysts in D.C. that follow us closely will tell you that. It's just a matter of can we get a lot more Democrats? And I think that's a good thing. You know, as long as as long as this moving out further in time doesn't the train doesn't come off the tracks, I, I think getting um, you know 50, 60, 70 or more Democrats is a better thing than getting you know 30 or 35. So I think the votes are there and, and we're optimistic it's going to happen this year and MPPC is, Working hard, our guys will be and gals will be talking to their members over the August recess about it. And as I said, we'll be um, uh, meeting with their members in D.C. Um, during our fly-in in September. Very good, Nick. Thank you. As you said, the uh, resolution to these trade issues can't happen soon enough, and uh, hopefully we'll have good news soon. Thank you very much, Nick. Thanks for having me. Nick Giordano, Vice President and Counsel, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Up next, a crop report from Illinois. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, despite uh, the E15 announcement uh, about a month ago, uh, we're really here at a, at a crossroads, it seems like. I'm going to talk about it with Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, thanks for being with us. Uh, it seems like the administration has been trying to walk down the middle and try to keep both sides happy, but we're coming to a point where they're going to have to make a decision one way or another which way they're going to go, aren't they? The simplest way to explain that, Mike, is we expect about 50 million gallons of new ethanol demand to result from the E15 year-round approval that's the output of about one small ethanol plant uh, annually. On the other hand, the demand we've lost through small refiner exemptions is something greater than 2 billion gallons of ethanol. 2 billion gallons is, is roughly equivalent to the output of about 20 large ethanol plants. So it's not a, not a fair trade here uh, when we talk about E15 for small refiner exemptions. Join us on Adams on Agriculture. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From 
from cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Uh, Just thinking what we heard from Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council in the last segment talking about USMCA. He says he thinks the votes are there, and as long as there isn't, um, you know, the train doesn't get off the tracks, he expects there to be a vote and it'll pass later this year. Um, What concerns me is in this political climate that we're in today, in the environment in which we're in today, it seems like there is a potential train wreck at every turn. So that is the concern. Can they keep it all together and get the vote and get it passed yet this year? We will see. All right, a lot of concerns with the crop conditions. Off, you know, We got off to the slow start. Some places didn't get off to any start. But now we've shift, shifted in many places from cool and wet to hot and dry and a lot of concerns there, especially right now in this uh, heat wave that we have, although there's some relief it looks like coming next week. Let's go to Illinois between the Quad Cities and Peoria is where we find David Erickson. David, thanks for joining us. How do crops look on your farm? Uh, hi, Mike. Oh, I think overall pretty good. I mean, they're uneven uh, because of different planting dates, uh, but... Uh, and certainly we could use the rain, although not too far from us, uh, pretty significant rains earlier in the week. Uh, but overall, pretty good shape. Um, we could, uh, you know, back off the temperatures a little bit if we're not going to get rain. Uh, but uh, overall, not too bad given everything we've been through. The hot, dry really helped those crops catch up quite a bit, didn't they? They did. They did seem to catch up, and and you know, as we find out from our uh, agronomist experts, you know, corn doesn't need quite as many GDUs to to reach maturity as it's planted later. So, uh, banking on that and um, some warmer than average temperatures, I think we've uh, we've caught up a little bit quicker than we thought we might. Where are you as far as pollination is concerned? Yeah, so uh, our April planted stuff we planted the week after Easter is uh, pretty well all uh, tasseled and, and working through pollination. Uh, the May planted stuff that had some struggles, it's uh, kind of hit and miss. It's a little bit uneven, and, of course, there's some replanted corn in that from early uh, June, and then the June planted corn has not gotten there, although... Uh, my one great delight is my sweet corn patch uh, <laughs> that we planted June 1st uh, uh, actually tasseled yesterday, which uh, or the day before, excuse me. And uh, it looks good. So uh, if, if the rest of the June corn can do what the sweet corn did, maybe we'll be okay. Some have said, well, you know, as the corn gets taller, it kind of hides some of the, uh, the the ugly bad spots out there, so it makes us feel better than maybe we <laughs> should be. But do you uh, feel over? Overall, though, for what it's been through, you think it looks pretty good around your area? Well, yeah, you know, not not too bad. You know, we're certainly not at trend line yields, uh, Mike, by any uh, 
stretch of the imagination. We could have some good crops, uh, but you're right, the holes are out there. We can't let uh, ourselves forget about those. The holes are out there even in the good stuff, and uh, we've got a lot at risk here in some of this later planted corn. Even the May planted corn here is uh, you know, at some risk for how it's going to finish out, uh, let alone uh, the, the corn that was planted in June. Uh, we need good Good weather this summer and a long, uh, warm fall, as I've mentioned to you before. Well, we're always looking for silver linings, and uh, some have said, well, this hot, dry, it's causing those roots to go deep and uh, seek out that subsoil moisture that's down there. Uh, are you are you in that line of thinking? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I guess I re- want to remain positive no matter uh, what the scenario, but um, certainly it is giving the, the plants a, a bit of a chance to, to catch their breath and kind of push roots down. Um, the ground, you know, got pretty hard, pretty saturated. Excuse me, got pretty saturated, and when it dries out from saturation, it gets pretty hard, uh, even cracks some on top. But as far as diseases go, I do think a stretch of dry weather here, although it's uh, coupled with humidity, um, I do think the stretch of dry weather is a positive, and, you know, timely rains from here on out will be important as well. Um. Now you're you're. I'm not too far from you. I, I've seen a lot of uh, aerial applicators going uh, overhead uh, uh, this week. Uh, what's going on in your area? Uh, not much as far as uh, fungicide application on corn, but we've got to be getting close on this April planted stuff. Um, there was some urea that was flown on um, aerial um, about days ago, Mike, on some of the later planted corn that maybe didn't have as much nitrogen down. Uh, but right now, uh, the skies are pretty clear as far as ag application. We're talking with David Erickson. He farms between the Quad Cities and Peoria. Uh, okay, let's switch to beans. Uh, there's some pretty short beans out there, and some <laughs> looking rough. Uh, they certainly uh, had a rough start. Do you see uh, some improvement there? How do your beans look? Yeah, so all of our beans were planted uh, after June 1st. And uh, they're pretty even. The uh, population's great, um, but they are short. You know, you got to remind yourself it's July 19th here, and uh, <laughs> they're uh, they're half their size at best. Some earlier planted beans in our area, the April planted beans, do look good as well. I don't think we're hit as much by um, you know some patchy ponding that corn was planted in that same time. So. It'll be interesting to see how those April planted beans uh, do. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, timely rains will will make this a, a crop, and if we can avoid frost. Okay, you cut out there a little bit on us, David. I was just going to ask you real quick. Many acres not get planted in your area? Very little, Mike, that okay. was not planted. Some, but very little. All right. Well, David, well, Cooler weather, it sounds like, is on the way, and uh, hopefully uh, you get some uh, moisture with that as well. So thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. We'll, we'll stay in thanks. touch, okay? Thanks, Mike. Take care. David Erickson, he farms in Illinois between the Quad Cities and uh, Peoria. Well, with that, we're going to wrap it up for the day and for the week. We'll have a complete look at the weather coming up on Monday, uh, get you up to date on the news, and there's going to be a big ag tech meeting going on in Chicago next week. We'll get a report from there as well. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. 